are listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. So Alex and I have been together for almost 10 years now. Got married while we were in Marshall. Bought a house there. We were there for a few years. Moved back to Delton about six years ago. We had Reese, our daughter, in 2020. Growing up, I wasn't really involved in a church regularly. My grandparents would take my brother and I occasionally. So we'd been wanting to go back to church for quite a while, and Reese and I just decided to go. Really enjoyed the messages we were receiving. They really made us feel good, but we weren't really, you know, involved or practicing what we were listening to. We started trying for our second baby when Reese turned two. We had tried for quite a while. A few months after we started trying, I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, um, and they told me it could be harder for us to conceive. But I didn't really think anything of it. I was kind of just like, okay. After a year and it hadn't happened, I was like, okay, maybe we need to get some help. So I went to my midwife um, and got some blood work done. And then just a couple weeks later, we found out we were pregnant. Hey, in a moment, we're going to hear a little bit more from Alex and Libby. But at this time, I want to take a moment and welcome in our campuses in Delton, in Middleville, and online. Can we give it up here at the ACES campus? Welcome in. You know, if you've been around here in Michigan, you know that this Christmas is a lot different from last Christmas. Last Christmas, it snowed so much that we had to cancel many of our services. But this year, we hired Tim from Texas, and when he moved up here to be our central pastor of worship, he prayed so hard against the snow. So if you want to thank somebody (laughs) for the fact that there's not snow on ground, you can thank Tim from Texas. Let's give it up for my man, Tim. But you know, all joking aside... During the month of December, we have been talking about the concept of hope. That hope really is the essence of the Christmas story. It's the fact that God was bringing hope to a world that was starving for hope. If you think about it, in a lot of ways, when you think about the gospel, the good news, the the Christmas story, it has less to do with what we have to do to get close to God. It has more to do with what God did to get close to us. In John's gospel, he says it like this in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In the message paraphrase, it says God became flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. See, if you're far from God today, you need to know God wants to move into your neighborhood. He wants to bring hope to you that you can have a relationship with him. But not only did Jesus bring hope, to those who are far from God, he brought hope to those who needed a healing in their bodies, in their minds, in their mental health, in their marriages. Jesus brought hope. But here's the other thing that we've been learning is that hope is a process. No one goes overnight from hopeless to hope filled. It's a process. Hope has a beginning moment. If you came to church today, if you're watching me in Delton and Middleville online and you feel hopeless, there is hope that you can have hope. 
but it's a process. And we even see it in the very first Christmas story. Here's how Luke records that moment. In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, it says this, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I want you to imagine this moment. Mary is just going about her life. She has plans and dreams like most of us to get married, to have kids, to raise a family. And she's engaged to this guy named Joseph. And then she is pregnant with the Messiah. I imagine when the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary has a reason to be afraid. But the very reason she's afraid is probably the same reason she's excited. She's excited is because she's about to give birth to something the world has never seen, the Messiah, the one who will bring healing, hope, salvation, transformation. But yet at the same time, the very reason she's excited is why she's afraid. Because what if it doesn't work out? What if God made a mistake? What, what if I can't really raise God himself? What if I fail? She has this excitement and this fear at the same time. Here's what I've noticed to be true, is that fear tends to follow the favor of God in your life. If God ever puts his favor on you to, to birth something, to do something that the world has never seen before, there's a fear. What if it doesn't work? There's nothing to benchmark what this thing is that I feel like is in my heart for God to do. She has the hope of the world in her, but she is afraid. See, as a parent, I know what it feels like to feel the pressure of parenting. And we've got four kids, basically from 17 down to nine, and we're not raising the son of God. At times we feel like we're raising demons. Some of you parents know what I'm talking about. Now, I know you don't want to say amen because your kids are sitting there with you, but just blink three times real hard, and I know what you're talking about here with you in this. But, but, but she has this promise that she is going to be the one. That Isaiah spoke about 700 years before Jesus would come in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. She is the virgin who will conceive and give birth to a son who will be called Emmanuel, God, with us. The angel continues like this in verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Which is, Jesus is the Greek translation of the Hebrew name which means God saves. He will be the son, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord your God will give him the throne of his father, David. Wow. What a moment when hope comes to the earth, that, that Jesus is in her womb. But you know, I was thinking about that recently, is that God could have sent Jesus any way he wanted to. He could have sent Jesus like Superman in a spaceship. You guys remember Superman? Here's a picture of Superman when he came near earth. God could have sent Jesus that way. His very first word could have been Lazarus come forth. He could have walked on the water, did miracles from birth, but instead he went through a process. And the process that Jesus went through demonstrates the hope process. And here's the very first step on the hope process is hope has to be born. Hope is born. That's the beginning of the process is there's a beginning when hope starts in your heart. You know, I imagine somebody came to church today 
and you feel like you're in a hopeless situation, but recently you got a glimmer of hope, just a glimmer of hope. There's a relationship that's, that's rocky. It's so tense, and it's just so, so bad. But recently you got a text that went something like this, Merry Christmas, and I'd love to get together with you after the holidays. It's not the resolution to the relationship, but it's a glimmer of hope. Hope has to be born. And the beginning of the hope matters. I think this is why the prophet Zechariah would say this about 500 years before Jesus would come. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, he says this, Who dares despise the day of small things? In another translation, it says, Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Because here's news, here's something that you already know, is everything that became big started small. Everything has a beginning. And there's just a beginning. I just wonder if some of you are just beginning a relationship with God. You haven't been to church in six months, six years, and, and there was something inside you that said, we need to go to TVC. Haven't been there in a long time. I heard that Jeff has gotten darker and better looking. I'm just going to go. To check it out. It's just a beginning, but here's how I want to say it to you, is that I think what Zachariah is saying is that small beginnings often lead to huge finishes. Just a small beginning. Just a small step of I'm sorry could lead to a huge relational breakthrough. A small yes could lead to an opportunity of a lifetime. But here's the second thing that I see in the process of hope. That we see it in the life of Jesus because the Christmas story is not that just Jesus was born. If he, only he was born, he would not have fulfilled the purpose for which he came. The second step on the journey of hope is I see it right there in Luke chapter 2. If we were just walking through Luke, if you turned over one page, you'd read this in Luke chapter 2 verse 52. We talked about this verse last week. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Jesus grew. So here's the second thing that I want you to know in the hope process is that hope grows. Hope grows. It's born, but, but, but it's got to grow. It's got to be nurtured. And, and that's why it's very possible that there are some people and you're strong in hope and some of you are just beginning in hope because hope grows. And let me tell you when hope grows the most is in the darkest moments of your life. What you do to nurture your hope in that moment will determine how much it grows. You know, at the beginning of this message, we showed you the story of Libby and Alex, who said, you know, we didn't really grow up going to church, but we start to go to church and we start to find some hope in a little bit. But then they walk through a crisis, a devastating crisis. And it was in the moment of crisis that they start to feed their hope. Here's what I want you to know about hope is that all of us have a choice between what we will feed and what we won't feed. See, all of us have moments and issues and things that bring discouragement, insecurity, anxiety, and if we feed insecurity, anxiety, and discouragement, that will grow in our life. But if we learn to feed our hope, 
that will grow. Here's the thought for you, is whatever you feed the most will grow. Whatever you feed the most will grow. I want to show you what Libby and Alex did to feed their hope in the midst of a crisis of hope. Watch the second part of their story. We were super excited, and then um, we ended up having a miscarriage. It's hard when, you know, you want it and wish for it for so long, and then it finally happens, and then just to be taken away. And, you know, I feel like that's when the questions of, like, well, why would God let this happen? You know, did we do something wrong? Is this not meant for us? that point was when we really started leaning into our faith and I have never felt the Holy Spirit the way I did during that time. It was an eye-opener for me and I just felt an overwhelming sense of peace about all of it. I remember looking at Alex and saying like we're gonna be okay. Everything happens for a reason and as bad as it hurt at the time, so many positive things have since come from that. Reese and I were headed into town and we got rear-ended from a lady going like 55 miles an hour. Everybody ended up being okay other than some bruises. Later that night, I started thinking about if we wouldn't have had that miscarriage, I would have been like eight months pregnant. My belly probably would have hit the steering wheel and things might have not turned out the way they did. And just thinking about how hard it was to lose that early pregnancy and then thinking, it happened that way because it would have been a lot harder if we would have been almost full term. I got baptized a few weeks after that miscarriage. It wasn't planned, I just felt like it was time. It was like a turning point of like, okay, life can be so much easier now that I know that God is there and that he's with us through all of these things. In September of this year, we found out we were pregnant again. And now I am 18 weeks tomorrow, so we are almost halfway there. I know that as hard as it might be, it's all gonna be okay because God is there. Hey, can we thank Alice and Libby for sharing their story with us? You know, here's what I love the most about that story is that it's a human story. It's really the story of all of us. Here's what I wish I could tell you is that if you are a person of faith, you will never have setbacks, disappointments, or why God moments. But that's just not true. Alex and Libby are going on this journey and things are going well and they're, and they're feeling excitement and they, and they believe And then it feels like that hope is taken away. Here's what I know, and I wish it was not true, that that some of you came to church today and hope has been stolen from you. You you wanted to sing the songs that we were singing earlier, and and you wanted to be positive, but, but you just feel such sadness in your heart. And you're asking yourself, how could a loving God allow this to happen? How could he allow my hope, my dream, what I was expecting to be ripped away from me? But here's the last thing I want you to understand about hope. 
is that hope has the ability to transform. Hope can transform. It can transform a discouraged heart, a discouraged life. Hope can transform. You know, as you start to wrap up the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, some of Jesus' disciples experience a moment that they write about. Here's what we read in Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 28. It says, about eight days after Jesus said this, and we'll come back to what he said in a moment, he took Peter, John, and James with them and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, his appearance, the appearance of his face was changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Now, what is the after this that Jesus said? Well, if you read the verses prior to this, Jesus is about towards the end of his ministry. He's about nine months away from the cross. He's in the northern region of Israel. And he asked his disciples a question, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they start saying what they've heard. Some say that you're John the Baptist come back to life. Because the way that you speak with a broken heart, the way that you speak a message that draws people who are far from God, that even goes against the religious teachers and leaders, you got to be John the Baptist come back to life. That's what people say. Others say you're Elijah the prophet because the kind of miracles you do, we haven't seen those kind of miracles since Elijah the prophet. But then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And they all get silent. But Peter speaks up and he says, you are the son of the living God. And what Jesus is going to do, eight days later, he's going to take them up on this mountain and they think they go up to a mountain to have a prayer meeting because Jesus often went to pray on mountains. And while Jesus is praying, all of a sudden his face starts to shine like the sun. His clothes become white as white that they've never seen before. And then if you read the verses following, Moses, the Old Testament lawgiver, shows up. Elijah, the prophet, shows up. And Peter James and John are shocked. And what happens on this mountain where Jesus' physical appearance has changed, this mountain has gotten a nickname. It's called the Mountain of Transfiguration. And the reason it's called the Mountain of Transfiguration is because Jesus' face, his whole body literally has changed before them. They get a glimpse of who Jesus really is. And when they see Jesus in his glorified state, they also see Moses and Elijah. Now, why does Moses and Elijah show up? Well, Moses represents the law, all the, the commandments. He wrote the law. You have Elijah who represents the prophets. He's the most famous of the prophets. So you got the whole Old Testament represented, and the light is not shining on the Old Testament, but on Jesus who's the fulfillment of it all. And I imagine for Peter, James, and John, they're saying, guys, you got to, I'm telling you, Jesus is, he's beyond just a, a guy. He is the Messiah. 
You know, we don't know where that mountain is, but throughout history, people have identified that mountain as Mount Tabor. Here's a picture of the mountain in Israel today that scholars believe is the mountain where Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John. But even though that happened on that mountain, I think the most important thing happened nine months later on a different mountain called Calvary. Jesus is going to take a wooden beam up that mountain, and there he's going to be changed again physically, but not for the better, for the worse. For six hours he will suffer and he will eventually die on that cross. And on the cross, Jesus was physically changed so that you and I could be spiritually changed. You know, if, if, if Mount Tabor is called the Mount of Transfiguration, I think the mountain Calvary can be termed as the mountain of transformation. Because Jesus has changed so that we could experience change. So here's how I want to bring this to a close is just by saying the greatest gift you could receive this Christmas is not the gift on a tree like this or under a tree like this, but the greatest gift you could receive this Christmas is the gift that God gave you on a tree that looked like that, where Jesus went to the cross for you. And also when I look at the cross, it's in the shape of a T. I think it's indicative of the fact that the cross speaks for transformation, that Jesus wants us all experience that that is his gift to us. So as I close, I'm going to do something and we're going to do something that churches all over the world are doing on this day is we're going to light our candles and we're going to sing the song Silent Night. And as we light our candles, I'm going to actually call the ushers forward now. I'm going to light their candles and then they're going to pass it on. The lighting of the candles is symbolic of the power of hope. That just one, one light can bring light to the darkness. So come on up here, ushers. I'm going to light your candle. And then like always, you guys are going to pass it on to others. And then we're going to sing this song, Silent Night, together. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tbcweb.com.